is the Evangelists Conference podcast. The Evangelists Conference is hosted by J. John, Killy John, and Andy Economides for those called to do the work of the evangelist. To find out more and to book your place for next year, visit evangelistsconference.com. I want to speak this morning about as we follow Jesus, opportunity opens up. As we follow, opportunity will open up to us. In 1999, I found myself in Uganda in a forest, seeing things I'd never seen before. First of all, I saw people wearing animal skins with bows and arrows. And I thought, where am I? I was the only white person on that trip. So I was with people I didn't really know very well. And I'd gone on this trip because an archbishop had invited me. He sent me a letter. He said, will you come? I need your help. This is 1999. I was about 29, I think, something like that. Oh, yeah, great. Let's do that. I'll go. Got booked a flight, got on a flight, got to Uganda, and then thought, why have I come here? I don't know anyone, apart from this archbishop, who's a lovely, lovely man. John, his name was, and he had really big hands. And... Um, I so found myself in this jungle and I, it, I saw and experienced things I'd never seen before, ever. And one, they said, we're going to have revival meetings and you're the speaker. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I just come to be with you. <laughs> and so I found myself as the main speaker at this revival conference in the middle of the jungle, not knowing anyone. I had a little tent that I slept in with a guard with a, a gun at the end of that tent and I thought yes I was brave then I'm not quite so brave now but I was brave very brave then I had to be brave because there was no one else around and there was another pastor there called Wilson and he he said to me you're the main speaker and we're going to do healing and we're going to we're going to see God move and I was like all right okay no pressure and one day as we were in the morning we were doing this uh preaching and I, I started to notice and hear what I could describe like an aeroplane coming in for landing, but there was nothing there. I kept, my ears were like popping and I could hear it. And it's like I could see it, but it wasn't really there. Is the only way I could describe it to you. And it got louder and louder and louder. And as it got louder and louder and louder, strange things started to happen with the people of that area. People started to writhe on the floor like I'd never seen before and shake and move around and scream. And I'm like, I'm just speaking. This is in the middle of me speaking. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Something's going on. And I, th I think it's God. And I don't know what to do. So I kind of looked at Pastor Wilson and said, can you help me out? And he's just laughing, which is not helpful. And so he comes next to me and he says, I help you pray with people. And we started to pray for some people. And a man came up and he was deaf in, in both ears. And he says, we're going to pray for this man's going to get healed. And I said, how are we going to do that? <laughs> and he said, I'll show you. So he said, we'll get his ears and then we'll just shout in his ears and he'll start to hear. And I thought, that's not going to work. <laughs> I thought, no, we're not doing that. It's not going to work. And he did it, you know. And guess what? He got healed. And I was like, okay. 
this is, this is crazy. This is crazy. And I've never forgotten that trip because it was really incredible. I mean, it was so moving and so powerful for me. It was unbelievable. I mean, they built me a bathroom out of banana leaves. It was really humbling. And as we drove away from that place, I think, I know I'll never come back here because I wouldn't know how to get there again anyways <laughs> in the middle of the jungle. But I loved it. And it, it was like God imparted something into me. And I'd followed Jesus to go there. And that opportunity opened up because I was a bit brave. I thought, I'll go. Send me, I'll go. Definitely, I'm coming. And that's been the journey of my life, really, is um, looking at what God is doing and then having a go and seeing what God does with that. And that's very much how I've done evangelism over the years. Um, so I just want to speak briefly about that and a little bit about how we handle adversity because when we're following Jesus and opportunities like that are coming, I think Mark said yesterday, we, there's going to be pushback. I like to call it, we're going to get a bit hit. We're going to get hit. And I always think it's better to be ready for that hit than not. If, as much as we possibly can, it's better to be ready. And then we, we can tune in and go, oh, this is what's happening. Rather than coming under it, we can look to go over it. And as we know that the call on the church of God, we've got it written here, go into all the world and preach the gospel. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, it says, Jesus said to the disciples, all authority is being given on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore I'm giving it to you. So go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. That has never gone away from me. That's the mandate, that's what we're up to. Isn't it? Each one of us in this room are up to this. It's like written across our hearts, isn't it? Otherwise we wouldn't be here. And we've, we're giving our whole lives for this cause. After that, he sent out the 11. He, he commissioned them. He sent them out. And that commission's still here for us today, still sending us every week, every day, every hour. That commission is alive on the inside. And we've got the what to do is there, isn't it? You know, teach them to obey, baptize them. This is what you do. But know that I'm with you always. Even in the jungle, in the middle of nowhere, I'm with you when you're in a tent and there's a man with a gun outside. And those days, you've got to believe that, haven't you? When you're in those situations, you have to believe that rather than get a bit scared. I think now if I did that, I'd be quite scared. But then I was like, this is just fun. This is great. And my parents don't know where I am. It's brilliant. <laughs> and there's no, in those days, there's nowhere getting hold of anyone. It was, it was a really good time. I think there are more people to be reached now than ever before, which is great because it means there's more opportunities. It's not a problem. It's an opportunity, isn't it? And it's an opportunity, like we just heard from Rachel, to connect into the culture, whichever culture that might be, and have a go. Have a go. Um, one way of having a go is to work with others. Don't do it on your own. Do it with others. Always more fun. And many, many years ago, because I've been coming here since I was five. <laughs> which is what somebody said to me, say, how long have you been coming here? Like, since day one. 
And my friend Lizzie said, since she was five, I thought, that's quite funny. <laughs> For a long, long time. And way back in the day, I met another evangelist here. And um, we built a, a friendship. And um, out of that friendship, I had the opportunity to go to a Bible college with this, with, with, uh, this guy. And he said, can you come and do some training on evangelism and share some of the experiences you've had, things like that. And I thought, yeah, okay. So I put together a whole load of teaching. And then I thought, actually, I could put all my teaching that I've ever done on a document and put it on the website and people can download it for free. Wouldn't that be great? So out of that relationship, I put all this stuff together. This opportunity came. And I put everything I know about evangelism down, all the stories I've ever, um, you know, thought about, thought that's a great story, it's a great example, this is the how you do it, this is how you pioneer into unreached territory in here in the UK, everything on the website. And then this guy from Burundi gets in touch with me, Pastor Matthew, and he says, Alison, can I translate your copy of Daring to Share Your Faith into Kirundi? I was like, go for it. I don't think it'd be very helpful for you because it's mainly to do with our context here in the West. You'll have to adapt it. So he did it. He sent it back to me. And um, that's also on our website. And he sends me reports every month of what they're doing. And I said to him the other day, are you still using that teaching that we did? You know, I gave you and, and that. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he sent me the report and I was blown away. He said, last year through teaching 120 evangelists with this document, um, he'd been out and he'd, he'd reached 2,500 people. Well, that's, that's not bad, considering I've never been to Burundi. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's wider than me. That's much bigger than me. And he's planted seven churches. That's incredible. How many have I planted? None. But he's done several, do you know what I mean? I'm like, this is incredible stuff. And the new believers who participate in the church is 860. I mean, he's got loads of other stats. But I just, those three really hit me. And I was blown away. And that came about because I met a man here. We built friendship. He said, do you want to do some stuff? Invite me to a Bible college. I put all my stuff together. And now this guy in Burundi is reaching the lost. That I'll probably never go to Burundi. I don't need to because he's there doing it, isn't it? It's fantastic. But do you see, the, as I follow Jesus, opportunities come. And sometimes it's having the creativity with what have you got in your hand right now? Yes. We've all got something in our hands right now. I had all this teaching material on my iPad, whacked it all together. And this is the result of that. I'm not blowing my own trumpet. I'm just giving, trying to give you examples today of this is the how-to and this is what I've, I've done over the years. So all the experiences you have, what could you do with that? Can you equip some people? Can you write some stuff? I've written books. You know, and all of that is, is, is not to make me look great because I'm a rubbish writer actually, but it's to try, I really am. It's to really try and reach people in those unreached places and to share from my own vulnerabilities as well. This is how I've become healed in certain areas of my life. And you've got different stories and different things to say. So I'm challenging you. 
you know, what can you do with what you've got in your hand right now? And uh, we also work with the church in, in India, lots of the per- persecuted places. And, and every Sunday, pretty much, Richard and I are on Telegram doing underground church meetings. And, you know, I'm, I'm there, what's going on, God? What are you doing? We're reaching way beyond where we will probably ever go just by saying yes. Because I'm trying to follow Jesus and... and because of that, I think he opens up opportunities that we, we don't create ourselves. This opportunity came through a Facebook message, a random person I've never met. And they said, can you help me reach into brothels in um, Bangkok? Which is an Indian missionary living in Bangkok. Can you help me reach, reach them? I'm doing a little bit of stuff. Can you help me? I said, tell me what you're doing. And she told me, I said, well, it sounds like you're doing great. Do more of that. But you're doing perfectly well. And she says, also, we have a Bible school for missionaries and pastors to send them into areas where they're not able to openly share their faith and, um, or plant churches or in the way that we would know. Can you help us train and equip them? And I'm like, what? So said, okay, we'll do a session and see what happens. And God just moved my heart. Actually, this is really important. It's the power of the yes, isn't it? The power of the yes. When an opportunity comes, part of me thought, in my own humanness, this is a bit of a scam. But it wasn't. This is really real. So sometimes when we think, no, that's not real, just have a go anyway. Have a go. Because you have something in you that God has lined up something in you to give. Sometimes to those who have nothing, who need real encouragement. Real encouragement. (coughs) Somebody dropped a a, a phrase into me the other day of how God is calling us at the moment where we've been servants, maybe, and we've served him for many years. I mean, I've, I've been in ministry 23, 24 years now. And he's calling us much more rather than to serve him, but to work with him. Journey with him. Because it's actually Jesus' mission, isn't it? He's, he's already there doing stuff. And we kind of get to go and work alongside and journey with him rather than serving him. And sometimes we get caught in that servant mentality. Do, 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 do. Whereas some of it is be, because Jesus is already there. And then just sink into what he's doing intuitively. A lot of what I do is intuitive intuitively sinking and then watch the kingdom open up that takes the pressure off doesn't it because he's already there he's already doing it he's already working by the power of his spirit and that's that's a slightly different way of following him because it's a bit uncomfortable we can't always plan everything I've, I've been out doing some outreach uh, last week on the streets in, in Barry St Edmunds where we live and it was a really rainy day. I went with a friend of mine who's, who's a great evangelist. I want to train her up and get her running street outreaches for us. And um, I'm waiting for her while she's buying a new pair of shoes because hers leak. I just stood there minding my own business with my umbrella and I noticed this guy sat under a, a thing having a cup of tea sheltering from the rain. And he starts talking to me. And he says, hi. I'm like, oh, we're going to do this now, are we? <laughs> 
No, I'm just waiting for from a friend. And I felt the nudge of the spirit go, yeah, but you've come to do evangelism and this is it. <laughs> so I, I turned to the man and I went, hi, are you all right sat under there? Is this working for you? Because it's raining. I had a normal conversation with him. And then I said, how's your Christmas been? And we opened up about that. And I said, what I've been doing. And um, he's a bit down on himself. So I had some books, in because I always carry stuff, which I got from Andy. Always carry a book or something. And um, I had something in my, in my pocket. It's like my little story and with some prayers in there and stuff. And so I said to him, oh, if you've got a bit of free time when you go back to your flat, why don't you ever read my little book? It might encourage you and some prayers in there if you feel like praying. If you ever get a little bit low, you could pray, you know, and God will really lift your spirit up. He's like, oh, thanks for that. I thought, right, I'm going to leave it there today. Took his name, got his name off him. I thought, I'll come back and find you another week. Sometimes we have to do things very slowly because you're intuitively going with the flow of the spirit. I will see him again. Then we go, I meet my friend. We go to a coffee shop because it was tipping with rain. Sat there and this bloke comes, do you mind if I sit here, ladies? And I'm like, what, again? <laughs> and then he starts talking to us. And I was like, this is actually quite easy. And he starts talking to us about Pilgrim's Progress, the book. He says, have you ever read Pilgrim's Progress? I'm like, are you for real? <laughs> And I said, are you a Christian? He goes, no, 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 I just like the book. It's one of my favourite books. I'm like, oh, interesting. So I said, we're Christians, we are. And he goes, oh, I've been trying to look for God, but I can't really find him. And then my, my friend, I, I just let her roll with it, really. And um, she just says, you do know, if you've encountered the Holy Spirit, you've actually got to commit to Jesus. And I'm like, whoa, that's a bit straight. <laughs> I'd have warmed up a bit more, but she went straight. So... I don't say anything, don't say anything, let her do it. And I went and got another coffee and she was chatting to her. I was just watching them and I wonder what they're saying. And then she goes in my coat pocket. So she gets my book out and I come back and she's like turned it to the back page and she's saying to him, there's a prayer that Ali's written in that book and we could pray it with you now if you like. And he goes, oh no, but I really like that. I've been looking for that. I'll do it later tonight when I go home to my flat. I'm like, wow. See, God's doing something in this new season that we're in. I think we're in a different season where there's more opportunity as we follow Jesus. I'm not saying anything brand new here today. So a lot of this you know, but I'm just reminding you to be open to the opportunities that are around us every day. Sometimes we have the bigger opportunities, like the crazy stuff in the jungle. But it's every day. It's on, isn't it? And maybe, I think Noel said yesterday, didn't he, that, we're going to a space where we just have to walk in a building and people chat to us. I think, I'm already, I'm already in that. It's happening now. And if we can tune into that, we can have a lot of fun with evangelism and mission. It doesn't feel like a heavy weight on us because we're following Jesus. And Jesus moved around all the time, didn't he? He went to the marketplace. There wasn't coffee shops in those days. So he went to the marketplace and hung out and looked at people and was moved with compassion all the time. All the time. If you think about the story in the widow of Nain in the scriptures, um, he's going through the gate and he stopped in his tracks because he notices a funeral. And it says he's moved with compassion. The woman's lost both her children and so she has no form of um, 
you know, uh, looking after herself in, in that culture, moved with compassion. So he goes over, he pokes his nose in to a funeral, okay, and says, get up. Stop crying and you get up. He raises the son to life. And sometimes we need to be like that when we see situations. We need to speak life into people as Jesus spoke life into people. And it's incredibly easy. It's incredibly easy. We don't have to have, you know, get the, the whole um, presentation of the gospel in, in that 10 minutes slot. You've got a window of 10 minutes with somebody probably. And what I'm looking to do is already hear what, where God is moving in their life and point that out to them. It's slightly different, but it works. And then if you've got some of your own material, you, you know, write your own little pamphlets, write. I think Mark Greenman challenged us one day about personal evangelism, writing your own story out and printed his own story out. I thought, That's a really good idea. Why have we not done that? You see, if we, if we listen to each other, we'll get ideas and creativity from each other that then we can follow Jesus and then we're ready for when the opportunities come to share in whatever format that comes. If you're doing podcasts, you know, get your phone out. I've got it here, but you say, look, here's my podcast. Do you want to join that? Listen to some bits and bobs. I don't know. It's being creative as we follow him, which is really exciting, really exciting. And as we follow him, there will always be, like I've said before, a few adversities as we go. And that's, you know, Psalm 23 says, we will pass through the valley of the shadow of death. We will do that. But what I like about that is, is we pass through it. We don't stay stuck. You don't get stuck there. And I felt today as I was preparing, some of us may have got stuck in the valley of adversity or even in our mission field, we're stuck. Sometimes we get stuck reaching a few people. I've had that in my life. I've had that in my life. I really have. I think I've got to break this because it's too small and get into that bigger again. And how we get unstuck is sometimes through facing adversities because adversities change our lives. And sometimes we could, the positive that we can see out of that is it's God moving us on. You know, like we said, the, what the devil meant for bad, God turns it around for good. He will use all things work together for good for those that love him are called according to his purposes. Isn't that true? So it's having a different perspective when the, when the enemy comes to try and kill, steal and destroy the creativity or the, the calling in our life. Try to get us off course. Don't be thrown by that because also God will use it to catapult you to where he wants you to be right now. Um, even Jesus was tested in the desert. Sometimes adversity is about testing our heart. It's not God who tests us. Devil comes to test us. But actually, God's kind of saying, you know, like the conversation with Job. I always find it funny that Job and, and, and God had a little, uh, the devil and God had a little chat and uh, Job, you know, Job was liked by God. And he said, well, you can try him, but you won't get very far. Try him? <laughs> Took his whole life, didn't he? Not his own life, but everything he had. And I think, well, sometimes God allows things. It's what we can learn from that. We don't understand it. We'll never understand. Maybe we don't need to. 
But it is the testing of our heart. It's the testing of our heart. And Jesus went through that in Matthew chapter 4. And he was tempted by the devil after 40 days. Because he was really hungry and he was tempted. And the devil said, if, all the time, if you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. Tempted in his identity. And adversity does that to us. It does. It tempts us to go, God really call me to be an evangelist? Do I really know what I'm doing? These are the things that can knock us off trap, track when we're faced with great adversities. And, you know, Jesus overcame the adversity by speaking the word of God at the devil, at the situation. And some of us need to get a little bit more like that. And not be afraid to do that. The Bible's not just to be read, is it? It's to be spoken. Because it's the word of God, active and living like a double-edged sword. And as we speak it, it has a power to it that we have no idea about, really. And it's like wielding that sword. As we speak it, things break in the unseen realm where the enemy attacks us from. We don't understand that realm. But God does. And he's given us his word to speak into those difficult situations and circumstances. And that brings the activity of the kingdom of God and the breakthrough for us and for others. Challenging, isn't it? A bit challenging. Even I'm saying ouch. That's actually not in my notes. <laughs> so I'm saying ouch. But that's the reality. Because God has equipped us with everything we need to do what he's called us to do. It's incredibly exciting, isn't it? And, um, you know, at the end, the devil, it says, the devil left him and angels came and attended to him, like Elijah. You know, he went through the thing. He was in the, in the desert. He wanted to kill himself. He'd had enough. He was fed up of being chased. You know, come to the end of himself. And God says, what are you doing here? Have some food. Have a, have a sleep. You know, you're not thinking straight. Sort yourself out. And then he sends some angels to attend. So whenever we're facing great challenge, God will send people to us maybe to help us. He'll send the word of God to us to help us so we know what's going on. That's really important. Richard and I have been through great adversities over the last couple of years. And six months before, a man in a church came up to me. He's not alive anymore. But he said, um, I need to tell you, God's telling you that everything's going to be okay. And that was it. And I said, well, I have no idea what that means. Because everything was okay at the time. I don't understand that. And I thought, maybe he's got that wrong. Maybe it's for somebody else. Not knowing what was going to hit us. So God always speaks, you see. But... We just need to be open and hearing. And that's part of us following him. Follow Jesus and where he's leading. There is a promise um, after we've been through great adversity or or during it. In 1 Peter 5.10, which maybe some of us need to just be aware of. It says, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, because adversity is, is a a dose of suffering, isn't it? It's hard. 
He himself will restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. It doesn't last forever. And there's a strengthening, a firming and a steadfastness that will come on us once we've been through great troubles. And it's like, it's like, a, it's like you're being birthed into a new time but a stronger person with more compassion, more empathy and more love for people because you know how it feels. You've journeyed it and you know how it feels. And you know the power of God in that moment and in those days. So we have to be ready for the day of testing and challenge and expect it, recognise it and see what God is doing. And also think, is he just moving me on here when it's all coming against me? What are you saying here, God? I will, I will share our, our, a couple of our challenges that we've had. <coughs> Towards the end of last year, uh, not 2022 actually, I get confused with years now. It's because I'm getting older. Years have become irrelevant. They just all blend <laughs> now, which is quite scary. Um, I'd worked for an organisation for 20 years, walked in the office one day and they said, you're done, you're finished, we're closing up. Um, you've been made redundant and all your ministry's gone. It, it, it was a bitter pill to swallow. And I was like, what? And I remember coming out of that meeting and just saying, um, what are you doing, God? What are you doing here? And... So they, the organisation closed down, I left. And I thought, well, I have a choice now from pretty much from day one. As I walked down the high street, I have a choice now. I can either come under that or I can rise above it. And I can sort myself out very quickly, which I, I do crisis management very well. If you ever need a, a consultant on it, come to me. <laughs> I love it, crisis management. can do it for everybody else and... You know, for myself, it takes a little bit longer. But I, I do know how to do it. And I thought, right, I'll just regroup. I'll start something new, rebrand, salvage all the ministries. We had women in Africa, in Rwanda, just started a tailoring program. Out of, you know, we have a little program there that helps women out of the sex industry, gives them a new skill set and... and um, gives them a sewing machine when they graduate so they can go on and have a small business and be blessed. I thought, I can't let them down. It was that, actually. I can't let them down. I, there's, and my compassion says I cannot let them down. And I've got all the women in, in Suffolk that we help, you know, with all in prostitution, addiction. I can't let them down. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to start something. I'm going to I'm gonna have to lead something now. I thought, okay. Fine, what do I need? Bang, 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 bang. See, in the day of adversity, actually the spirit comes upon you. There's a grace for that day. And you know what you need to do. And you can do it as an acceleration, is what I'd like to say. That you know that you can do what you, you need to do, but you do it very quickly. To do that would have taken me 10 years. I did it in probably two weeks. I just thought, I need a name. Who can I call? Who's got a good name for us? Who do I know? Who understands the work that I do and can help me put some titles to things? I called a few people, took a bit of advice and started something. Just like that. It's not that difficult to do. 
in the day of adversity. And the organisation that I had been in kept coming saying, what are you going to do? Maybe you'll have to go on the dole. And I thought, oh, I'm not doing that. I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> and, you know, how are you going to get money? I think, I know how to get money. You needn't worry about that. <laughs> I, I work with women in the sex industry who are very good at getting money and people in addiction who are very good at getting money. I've, I've watched some things. I, I haven't sold myself. But, <laughs> if that's what you're thinking, <laughs> I haven't done that. But, that's good to know, isn't it? Good to know. But, there's some things I've learned. There's some things I've learned of how you be with people. There's some things I've learned over the years. There's some things I've learned. And it... it, it being with them, and I, I said to them, do you still want this chaplain? Yeah, 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 definitely, we love you, we want you to be around. Okay, there's some things I've learned. And when we've learned those things, then we know how to press in and pull, and God provides from extreme places that, you know. At one point, I was saying to people, please stop giving me money, because I'm not set up yet for that. Stop. It's a good problem to have, hey? Yeah, it's a good problem to have. So in the day of adversity, God comes through for us. It may not feel like it, but there's always a plan to come through. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and that's not changed. It's just you're a bit under pressure right now, and part of that is trying to move me on. It's trying to move me on. And um, it, was, it was a painful process, but because God was in it, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And the year before that, and this, this was the... the, the um, on the backdrop of this made it quite like, what? This now? Was the year before that, Richard, my husband, who's here today, had just got diagnosed with um, having to go through cancer treatment. And the first time we knew about that is, you know, I sat and watched him not able to breathe for four weeks before we got any intervention. Literally, I thought he was dying. The only thing I could do at night was prop him up in a chair upright. And I thought, Look, I think you've got pneumonia. And so I started to treat for that. And it wasn't that. And they had some more tests and everything else. And so I dropped him off at the emergency A&E department. I was like, right, you're not coming home to you. Find out what's wrong with you because I can't handle it anymore. And um, all the time I'm praying. And, you know, two weeks before that had happened, I'd actually preached on the cry of Hannah from that book. And I thought, now I've, I've got to practice that preach, haven't I? <laughs> Great, I need to be like Hannah. And someone invited me over to sleep at their house that night while Richard was staying in hospital. And I said, no, I'm going to stay at home. And I prayed like Hannah. And, and you know, anointed our house with oil. I'm doing everything I am going to do to keep him alive. Because that's my main project right now. Because in the day of a verse, you've got to do what you need to do to survive. And nothing wrong with that. Jesus has equipped us to do that. That's what he was doing in the desert. He was doing what he needed to do to survive. He was shouting at the devil, no. Shout at the devil, no. You're not taking him because our vision is a vision joined together. I thought, I'm not finished ministry yet. The callings and giftings of God are irrevocable. We're a vision joined together, so you're not going anywhere. <laughs> God's got a plan here and we're going to see it come to pass. And so I, I, it was down in the Macmillan unit, so I've got a bed here, and I'm like, whoa, 
it's all, you know, your head goes, doesn't it? So I thought, right, I'm going to bring your iPad down. You're going to join some prayer meetings. You're going to pray because he's an intercessor by calling. I'm going to keep the callings and giftings of God on track. And that's what we did for a year. That's how we handled it. You see, the resilience. In the day of us, you need resilience. You don't need to shy away. You don't need to cower away. You don't need to be afraid. You need resilience. Did I have a wobble? Yeah, of course I did. I was like, oh, this feels a bit... No, keep your head straight. (coughs) Crisis management, keep your head straight. Because the man six months before, everything's going to be okay. But we had to journey it out. And we still have to, a little bit. We have to journey that out. So in the middle of that, I then find myself birthing an organisation. That's mad. But that's God. And it maybe is the only way I would have done it. I might never have got round to it otherwise. Hey? Do you see what I'm saying? Following Jesus and opportunities open up. And often, as I've reflected, I think he uses adversity to open the opportunities up. Otherwise, we'd never get around to it. Don't you think? Because we get comfortable. And that's just our humanness to be comfortable, isn't it? But God, you know, part of the cost of following Jesus is, and I've been around this block many times, you know, is everything, isn't it? He wants our everything. And we build our lives up. And then we have to deconstruct it again because we've built it up. No, I want that peace now. That's him, isn't it? Because he loves us and wants to be with us. And the way that he is with us is that we know him fully, like Matt was saying. We know him. And some of the ways we get to know him is by passing through what he went through, his sufferings. It's not a comfortable message, is it? That's me, sorry. But we pass through things. Don't we? We pass through with Jesus. And I thought, well, I, you know, I, great betrayal, I felt, from the organisation. But Jesus went through betrayal. I don't know how that feels, really feels. So I can have a real empathy for people who go through betrayal. And I can journey with them at a greater level now. Thank you, God. No, didn't feel thank you at the time. But now, the other side of it, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. That's really good. You've added something into me. You've added in. I have a scripture for you. Ephesians 3.20 When we feel we can't, God adds into our life from Ephesians 3.20. I always remember being at Bible college and I love the book of Ephesians and did that module. And it, it again, it really impacted me and has never gone away. So all the mission stuff I've done over the years, it's been sometimes dark and dangerous. It's this, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. His power at work within you and I. We have no idea. Under pressure, the real us will come out. And sometimes we think, well, that won't be very good, the real me. But actually, it's the power of God in us that comes out. 
to produce some really good fruit in our lives so that we can be the evangelists that God created us to be. Because we've passed through adversity, I'm a better person for it. I don't like it. I'd rather not, but I'm a better person for it. And God's taught me a lot and I know how to reach more people and the compassion that I had before is, is just now off the scale. I can't not do some things now. I can't leave someone who will watch to be suffering. I have to, I have to be with them. Because that's where Jesus is. That's where his presence is, where his kingdom is. Because he's going to be bring healing and salvation and deliverance and freedom and goodness to people's lives. But he wants that for you and I as well. Isn't he all around? Yes, you want to just come up and just as we wrap it up, really. I know I've said some maybe quite simple things, but also some quite challenging things. And um, God is calling us to obedience, and sometimes obedience is uncomfortable and it involves a bit of suffering along the way, and that's how we get to know Jesus better. I wouldn't preach that lightly, <laughs> trust me, I really wouldn't. And from, you know, I have a ministry in Rwanda and just, I'll leave you with this really, is talking to them around the genocide and how they've handled that and coped with it. You know, they said to me once, I said, how, do you, how, how did you get, how did you heal from this? And they said, you sent us counsellors. And we don't understand that. But we sang and we danced in the rain. And maybe some of us need to learn to sing and dance in the rain, like my Rwandan friends, and watch the healing presence of God come our lives. Because when we go through things, we need healing internally, we do it's broken space and as we dance and sing in the rain this is what they said the smile comes back and I think we can learn something there and that's part of us following Jesus so when we go out to reach the lost our smile is there the smile of Jesus over your life knowing that as we follow him, all these opportunities will open up. So we don't have to worry about the strategies, the, the heavy weight of how we're going to see our nation saved or the nation saved. It's watching where Jesus is going. Follow him and let him open up and use the experience of our lives to reach the lost. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you. You've been listening to the Evangelists Conference podcast. Visit evangelistsconference.com to find out more.